From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. Welcome back to the Frosty Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost. We gave Tony the much-deserved day off, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. We are going a very different direction today. You know, we've stuck mostly with sports, with fantasy sports, NFL draft, all of that. We're going to take a completely different direction today, and I'm really excited to do it. It's been months in the making. Uh, I want to get into some special interest stories. So for this leg of the Frosty Live Tour, we're going to take some some stories that, that may involve sports but may not. Um, and so today's topic is has nothing to do with sports at all. Uh, we're going to have a friend of mine on, uh, Tom Metzinger, who's in, in a lot of different things um, from, you know, accounting work to firefighting to uh, being coach captain of our deck hockey team. And we're going to get into some stuff about the cosmos, uh, UFOs, alien life. Uh, it's going to be a really good time. So uh, sit back and enjoy the show. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Tom Metzinger. Hey, Derek. Thanks for having me, man. So I'm excited to have you on here because we've been talking about this for months. Mm-hmm. Um, you're into a lot of a lot of cool things that, that I enjoy, too, and I know some of our listeners enjoy. Uh, I don't want to give too much away here early on, but uh, if you don't mind the, uh, you know, the 30-second elevator speech, uh, who are you? <laughs> well, uh, like you said, I'm, I got my hand in a bunch of things. I'm a jack-of-all-trades, but definitely a master of none. I'm a, f- a full-time firefighter, and I have my own small business accounting company, Mets Consulting. So I do two very different things, and then I have tons of geeky hobbies that I'm into also, which yeah, we'll get into. Absolutely. All right, so let's start here, man. So um, so you graduate you graduate high school. You graduate from Ursuline. Yep. Uh, we're not going to hold that against you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then... <laughs> And then, uh, and what's next for you? What happens next? So I went, I went to YSU. I kind of had like no real purpose in life. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was initially undecided and I've loved airplanes my whole life. And at that time there was all this talk of needing a ton of air traffic controllers in the future. So I thought I'm going to do that. My dad, thank God told me that you need to get a four year degree first. And if you still want to do air traffic control and have this as a backup plan, then that'll be perfect. So I decided I want to be an accountant. My grandpa's an accountant. I know that's something that would probably be pretty handy to have in my wheelhouse anyway. So um, I do that. While I'm in college, I decide I want to try to be a a firefighter too. So I I got on a fire department part-time a couple years into college, get through my accounting degree, get enrolled in an air traffic control school. And um, as a part of their school, they actually require you to get your pilot's license, which was like, oh, yeah, twist my arm to do that. So as I was doing that, uh, I had to get a medical examination. And I kind of, I passed, but not 100%. I have like a red and green color deficiency with my vision. And at that time, like, would totally eliminate you from being an air traffic controller. So Thank God I did what I did and finished up my accounting degree because my plan would not have worked out. And even if it had, it would be in, in disarray now anyway because of how 
Um, the FAA changed how they hired people. So I would have went to school for two years and paid for it. And there was a good chance I probably wouldn't even have had a job for it. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how I got the accounting degree. And then I did some full-time accounting for a few years. And I mean, it was okay. Nothing, nothing too exciting. And I decided, you know what, maybe I should do firefighting full-time and try to do this accounting on my days off. And it's worked out beautifully. Wish I would have done it years earlier. No, that's awesome. And, and for those of you listening, know that uh, my family's been heavily involved in the fire business. Uh, we sometimes refer to it as the family business. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I, uh, it wasn't a path that I took, but I'm always, always all right. happy to talk to folks who did because it, uh, it's a, it seems a very rewarding career. It is. And it's just it's a lot of fun. Like I go to work every third day. And I'm hanging out with like some of my best friends. So it's a it's a really cool job that I actually get paid to pretty much hang out with people that I love being around. So you really can't beat that as you're going around and helping people, too. So, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And it's like every little kid wanted to do it. And that was one of the things I wanted to do. So it's it's pretty cool to live a dream like that. That's incredible. And so so then how do you get to the point where where you own your own business? So that was um, one of the companies I had worked for uh, previously. I didn't work there anymore, but they still wanted me to kind of help them out with their finances and everything. So I said, yeah, why not? And that's really how it started. It was more or less because I needed to form a business to do work for them as their contractor. And then from there, it just kind of grew. And thankfully, it's grown to a point now where I'm not necessarily looking for any new customers, which is a, is a good thing, especially considering the state of the economy right now. Um, and I have some really interesting um, clients in different areas of business, which is cool. So um, it's, it's been pretty cool. Very lucky. I haven't really had to spend any advertising money. It's been all word of mouth. And it's a nice thing. It, it's kind of weird, though, the two ends of the spectrum I'm on, because somebody told me it's like with firefighting, you go to work every day and you have no idea what you're expecting. And you kind of have to try to process things on the go like that with like seconds to do it. But with accounting, you're in an office, you have time to read through different documents and research and figure out the best plan, uh, plan of attack to handle something. And you kind of do it at your leisure and, and everything fits into neat boxes with that. And they just, it is kind of weird, but it's, it's cool. Yeah, that's it's one of the things that, that has always been interesting to me, um, you know, and, and kind of with my own my own career, I have I have aspects of my job that are very planned and there's a schedule and all of that. And then the other side is, you know, code blue emergency. We're running. Mm-hmm. We're going, you know, whatever's next. And it's really uh, sometimes difficult to meld the two together and try to be super regimented on one hand and, you know, kind of jumping at the, at the sound of, of go on the other. Uh, so what's your, how do you balance that? Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm still trying to figure that out, to be honest with you. Um, it seems like every six or seven months I come to the conclusion that I'm really terrible at time management. So uh, <laughs> I'm, al- I'm always on a mission to try to figure out a better way to do it. And I think I might be onto something now, but it's, that's like the fourth time I said that. I, I just, I kind of went a little bit old school. I got a spreadsheet that I list the days out and I just add stuff I need to do on each of those days. But um, I mean, yeah, with being at the fire department, it's just kind of like 
you go when told. And especially now with all the COVID stuff going on, we've kind of changed up how we're, we're handling things. So um, I'm on a truck that really isn't going on a ton of calls right now. And it's nice, but it's not nice. It's, it could be pretty boring sometimes. But, you know, that this will all pass just like everything else at some point, And we'll be back to normal. Thank God. So, Matt, you know, you start your own company and I think we've all we've all seen Shark Tank. We've all seen, um, you know, a lot of things out there about starting companies. And, and uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't go so well. And I know from what little I know, it's a complicated process. So what is it? What does it take to start your own company? How did that how did that process go? I mean, for me, it was pretty easy because being an accountant, the only tool I really need is my computer. Now, where it gets complicated is anytime you have to make big purchases with like a fixed asset, like you need to buy machinery or lease space or, you know, actually own your own space. But, you know, just to, like the early formation of it, you, you have to figure out what type of company you want to be. Are you going to do this by yourself? Are you going to have a partner? If you're going to do it by yourself or with a partner, do you just kind of want to wing it and come up with a business name, but not necessarily incorporate or be an LLC? Or do you want to do those things? So those are big questions a company needs to figure out early on. I decided to go the LLC route. And really all that's involved with that is paying a $100 fee and filing a form on the state of Ohio's uh, Secretary of State website. And what that gets you without getting too much into different business organizations, but having an LLC allows you to get a lot of the benefits of being incorporated without all of the formal um, meeting notes and other paperwork along with that. So um, there's a lot of research you have to do into figuring out, you know, the best way to do it. Now, whether that's with an accountant or a lawyer, or if you have a trusted friend that could advise you on that, that would be the way to go with it. But um, yeah, there's once you once you do it, it's actually not that hard to do. You just got to figure out what you what you want it to be. Unfortunately for our Frosty podcast listeners, we have a lawyer on retainer, uh, Kevin Kulik, our very own. Nice. Uh, is always available for for all of your business needs. He does wills and all that stuff too. So oh, you know nice. we're we're all set up here at the Frosty Podcast. That's fantastic. You got everybody, man. That's right, man. So hundred dollars. That's really all all it takes to. I I expected that to be a much higher number. Well, I mean, it, it, like for for the LLC, you know, specifically. Yeah, that's that's really all it is. Now, if you want to pay somebody to do the paperwork, I don't. Honestly, I don't think you need a lawyer or an accountant to do it for you personally. It's, Kevin, it's really not here. much to it. <laughs> but uh, if, if you're going to be a partner with somebody, you want to pay a lawyer to draft up your um, operating agreement. That's what it would be called. And that's that spells out how are the profits going to be divvied up, losses, how does it flow through onto a tax return. There's uh, When you are working with somebody in a partnership, you want to have all your ducks in a row. I know you you probably have a pretty high level of trust with your partner to begin with, but you know there's a reason people say you don't go into business with your friends or your family sometimes because it can end ugly. So uh, you know on the partnership level, you definitely want to go through the process of having something in place that's going to dictate in a court of law <laughs> how things are spelled out and, and the way things are going to go. Um, and then, you know, once you have that all nailed down, there's other just sort of formal things you have to do with getting an employer ID number. You know, I would recommend getting some type of accounting system set up. You know, obviously I can help you with that if you ever need it. But uh, just because keeping track of your money is one of the biggest things and the best things you can do, especially early on. I mean, it takes a while for a business to 
grow and, and become profitable and you have to know where your expenses are and, you know, try to figure out ways of minimizing them or cutting them when you need to. And this whole, the state of the economy right now is a perfect, you know, example of that. I mean, my God, the, the amount of businesses that have gone under or will continue to go under because of this is just, it's insane. It makes me sick when I think about it, honestly. Yeah, it's really been, it's really been shocking. Uh, you know, even uh, from the hospital side of things, you know, we're, there's a lot of, a lot of hospitals that are, are doing a lot of cutbacks and all that. And that's, that's the one area you thought would be safe during a pandemic right. is, is the healthcare system. Yeah, and it, absolutely. It's not. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, the different articles I've read, like on the Wall Street Journal, it really gives you an appreciation for how interconnected everything is. You know, they shut down the schools. Okay, no big deal. Then they shut down the restaurants. And right there, the chain of events that started with that was pretty crazy. I mean, the employees are getting laid off. Well, guess what? Now they're not paying rent or they're not paying their mortgage. So now the banks, which still have a lot of money, obviously, I mean, they, they run into issues with that. Utilities aren't being paid. I mean, the, the level of like first, second and third order consequences from what's gone on are just crazy. Uh, you know, the milk and produce, there's chickens that are being slaughtered and milk just being dumped into manure pits because it has nowhere to go. Some of the places are shut down. The supply chains for commercial toilet paper are different than the supply chains for residential toilet paper. And that's why there's a toilet paper shortage. I mean, it's just the things that have happened are, I don't think anybody could have predicted them or they certainly weren't anticipated. And it almost seems like every day there's something new that just seems, wow, I can't believe that's happening now. So kind of scary. Yeah. And you know, the one, the one industry that hasn't been hit is the podcasting industry where we've <laughs> never booming. been better. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Everybody's at home not doing anything. They're listening <laughs> to the frosty pod. It's great. That's right. It's fantastic, man. <laughs> you know, you brought up an interesting point there with, you know, being able to trust your partners and that, um, you know, and, and a few years ago, uh, Laura and I went through the process of, of life insurance and uh, not to dig terribly into that, but, um, one one thing that kept coming up is Laura had all these intricate vacation plans, mm-hmm. and I'm, I just I asked her one day I was like, hey Laura, like how how are we gonna afford these? Like I mean, you're talking international trips multiple times a year, and she's like, oh no no this you're not going. This is with your life insurance policy payout. <laughs> I was like, oh okay, oh, okay. wow. Maybe uh, maybe you're not gonna be the beneficiary anymore. Yeah. So I go I go to, I go to Tony right. Who else do I trust in this world? I trust Tony. Yeah. And Tony's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be your beneficiary, no problem. And then all of a sudden, Laura and Tony start start planning these vacations. Oh and I'm like, gosh. wait a minute. I can't trust either of you people. So I called up my buddy Kevin. He's a lawyer. You can trust lawyers. Um, if, there's one, if there's one profession you can trust, it's law. <laughs> and uh, so now Kevin's Absolutely. a beneficiary. And I'm just waiting for him to start planning vacations too. So, yeah, trust is a real thing. And, uh, you know, this is why Tony and I, our, our, our LLC is going to be very, very intricate. Um, and there's, it's, 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 it's a terrible thing because he just isn't trustworthy. And that's what I've learned. Wow. And you want him on the hockey team? Oh, man, I don't know, buddy. You know, listen, <laughs> Tony may not be trustworthy when it comes to life insurance policies, but, but the man is a master of goal scoring. And that's, yes. that's really what we need, um, which brings us to another point here. Uh, dumpster fire hockey, uh, deck oh, hockey yeah. at Youngstown. Uh, your, your, your very own Tom Metzinger is, is captain and coach. 
Um, so, you know, if you want to comment here on the on the hockey team we have. Yeah, you know, it's pretty sad. There's no sports going on, not even deck hockey. I'm pretty sure they have the rink taped off. Hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll be able to get back out there with the boys, start getting some pucks on net, not even pucks, balls, but it's just a blast. Other than feeling like you're going to go into cardiac arrest every 10 minutes when we're playing, it, it's so much fun. And it seems like we have a lot of interest in it. We're trying to get some more. There's talk of a league forming. It's actually was in the process of forming before all this took place. So um, it's an absolute blast. We have, I'd say we probably have 75 to 80 percent of the people on our team who have never watched a hockey game or done anything with it. But they've, you know, came and watched us or just thought, you know what, I need to get in shape. And they fell in love with it. So the whole point of that rink was to get people into hockey around here. And I think it's slowly, you know, accomplished that mission but having a interesting uh early preseason i guess we have a we scrimmage with another team and depending on who shows up for both teams it's either a uh an absolute shellacking or it's close <laughs> or i mean it's just it's all over the map so but it's it's so much fun and we love it and Derek is one hell of a forward too i mean my man you talk about tony scoring a lot but you get plenty of your goals too buddy i mean Top corns all day, huh? Listen, I'm modest. I'm modest, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for to start keeping stats because I have a feeling uh, when we score, we're gonna score proud. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely. we, you know, as this league forms, it looks like there's gonna be guys who actually like know how to play hockey. Uh, as yeah. you mentioned, our team is very, uh, very new, and so we we imagine we're gonna get we're gonna get our asses handed to us quite often, yeah. but. Uh, listen, we're not we're not playing competitive anymore. We're playing for fun, and uh, anytime you're going top shelf, you're having fun. <laughs> you got that right, man. And I think we got to get our defense figured out a little bit, play a little bit more conservative down there, and I think we'll be all right. The couple of times that we've we've had our D on point, we've actually been pretty good. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But I am I'm a little bit nervous about the uh, ice hockey teams that want to play deck hockey against us. But you know what? Sometimes you need that to get motivated to get better, I guess. At least that's what they say. Yeah. You know, Tony and I played in a league up in Cleveland. And uh, th there was some connections there with the, the guys who started the league where we had some ex-NHL players playing. Uh, some <laughs> oh, guys man. that were playing in, in various levels of junior hockey and up into the AHL. And, uh, you know, hockey players, unlike football players, you know, they don't look that different. They just look like they're in shape guys. Uh, but they're not these these giants that we see in the NFL. And so you uh, you come up to a guy and you don't really know who he is. And all of a sudden, you know, he's he's doing dekes right past you and scoring oh, yeah. from the blue line. And you're oh. like, oh, man, who's that? And you find out, oh, yeah, he played on the Blue Jackets. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrifying. Thank God. I don't think we're going to have to worry about that. But who knows? I mean, we know. got some we got some ringers on our team. We got a couple of guys that have been playing for years, but you know, we got to get the it's a team sport, so we got to get the whole team just playing a little bit better, but we'll get there. Absolutely. The one thing I've noticed is there seems to be an inverse relationship between uh, the amount of the amount of talk Racco does on the rink and our success. Uh, the less talking he does, it seems we do better. Uh, the more talking he does, the worse we do. Uh, and I think he gets in his own head, uh, you know, as he, as he tries to, to hype up the team. So, John Racco, looking at you, buddy, you got to 
we gotta we gotta get nailed down. We gotta get serious. It's hard to do though because he is very Italian. But in time, he'll get it figured out. And Johnny's got the heart of the team, man, on his shoulder. I mean, he's he's dedicated. He's always trying to push the guys to to get out there and pay attention and, and learn. And can't fault him for that. Love him. Oh yeah, you know he's talking the one day about uh, you know he's he's staying up till one a.m. watching a West Coast hockey game. It's like the the Canucks and the and the Predators. It's like why are you watching that? No, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn. It's like. Good for you, man. Like, get at it. <laughs> uh huh. That's right. I know there's a there's a, there's a few fire stations in the area with hockey nets that have miraculously appeared in recent months. So, it's having a good effect. It's getting the boys in shape at work too, because you know we got to be in shape for our job. So, the, the, there's just benefits all around. Everybody's uh, everybody's reaping the rewards, except if we get hurt. But we're not gonna we're not gonna let that happen. No, you can't play scared. You gotta. Well, yeah, but yeah, I think you're. We have a kickball league too that i'm involved in and we had a couple of pretty ridiculous injuries from kickball and, and derek's dad wanted to kill me so uh we had people calling off work for broken feet and road rash and it was it was a little rough there for a few weeks but you know what kickball was a blast too that's just more or less the reason to drink outside and we'll see if we can do that in the fall but hockey's hockey's my my true passion with the drinking sports oh yeah well, that's when I when I first talked to Dad about uh, about playing hockey, he he got a real concerned look on his face, and he's like, oh, "I'm concerned about injuries." And I was like, "Ah, oh, like you know, we played up in Cleveland. Like nobody really gets gets hurt too much. I mean, anything can happen at any time, but you know, it's not too big of a deal." And he's like, "Derek, they got hurt playing kickball." <laughs> like, ah, well, you know what? That's a legit concern. Uh, I've never heard anybody get hurt playing hurt playing kickball, but yep, yeah, I heard we- broken feet and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, we figured it out. There's no doubt about that. So yeah, kickball league of Youngstown. If you guys are interested, look into it. It's an it's a blast. And I gotta tell you, if you want to see a group of people taking something too seriously, play kickball. <laughs> oh my god. There's a JV and a varsity league. We're in the Whoa. JV league. It's it's kind of fun there. The varsity, it's insane. I mean, there's like there's I've never seen kickballs thrown the way they throw them, and very uh. Very dedicated people there, but my God, they take it a little too seriously. Yeah, that's. I'm not good enough to take anything that seriously anymore. It's it's all for fun and beer at this point. <laughs> I know. I mean, just go out there and play. And the people like that know the rule book to a T, and they're calling you out on these little things, and it just you just want to throw the ball right at their face. But you can't do that. That's against the rules too. But you know, whatever. <laughs> So let's let's shift directions here. <laughs> sure. uh, but yeah, uh, so dumpster fire hockey. Stay tuned. We'll have some updates on that team yes. as we go. Because uh, I, I have a feeling there's going to be some fun fun stories coming out of there. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Mets. The other thing we haven't talked about yet is your your love of the cosmos, um, and you are writer blog writer for thecosmicwindow.com. Uh, so, FrostyPod listeners, we'll go ahead and tweet that out, that link, but thecosmicwindow.com. So, how'd you, uh, how'd you get involved in the interest of the cosmos, and, and tell us about that? That, I mean, I don't know. I think I just have a problem with looking up into the sky, because I just want to see airplanes and space shit. So, I, I, <laughs> the one memory I have, though, is when I was very small, I had to be like six or seven, I don't know. We were at a restaurant that had this mirror, like 
above the table. Like the entire ceiling everywhere was a mirror, which is kind of weird, but whatever. So I remember my dad telling me that there may be like other dimensions and I don't know how he like connected it with the mirror, but I just go back to that and think of like how crazy that is. And then fast forward to when I was in college, I started watching the Discovery Science Channel because yes, I'm a nerd if you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> and every, I think it was every Tuesday night, they had just like hours worth of astronomy shows on. And I started getting into that and reading the books. And once you start like diving into that stuff, it can really start to blow your mind quickly. I mean, just like when you understand the concept that you're looking up at the night sky and you see these stars and it's like, okay, yeah, no big deal. Well, like the light you're seeing from those stars is from tens, hundreds, thousands of years ago when it left, when the photons left the stars. So if you're into that kind of stuff or, or you're kind of on the fence, I recommend looking into it because it will blow your mind. And the more you dig, the more crazy stuff you learn and you would think it's science fiction, but it's actually like proven stuff or it's at least theoretical to the point that they're they're confident in that that's how the physics are i mean it's just it's crazy stuff but it's amazing man so you know i think i think the majority of folks here are you know they're, they're kind of um gateway to this are are some of the the shows that have been on tv um a little bit you see in sci-fi you know neil degrasse tyson has been um, a pretty big, um, I don't want to say advocate, but I think advocate might be the right word mm-hmm. for this, the, the cosmos and, and getting folks interested in it. Um, were there, were there other people who inspired you as, as you started getting interested in all of this? Yeah. I mean, he's definitely one of them. Uh, he was on those shows I was talking about on the science channel back in the day before he was really a big name, but then, um, Carl Sagan, who the show cosmos, uh, he had that back, I think it was in the eighties. And then the guy from Family Guy, I can't think of his name, he produced it. Oh, Seth MacFarlane. Uh, yeah, he, he produced the more like modern day one. But um, another guy is Brian Green. He's a theoretical physicist. He was just on the Rogan podcast probably a month or two ago. And his books were like the really crazy, like, I can't believe this stuff. And since he's written some of his books, uh, the one theory he was a big proponent of is string theory. And not to get like, too ridiculous with all this stuff, but everybody's heard of the theory of relativity. So that's Einstein's theory. It's It kind of deals with the universe on the big scale of things, the galaxies, planets, all the stuff that you can look up at the sky and see. There's another theory in physics, and it's quantum mechanics, and that's at the molecular level. Well, the two don't really work with each other. So a lot of theoretical physicists are trying to figure out like, why is that? And is there something we can come up with that allows them to work together? And the popular one at the time was string theory. And pretty much what that said is there's like 11 dimensions and these little strings vibrate. And that's how the whole universe is like what it's composed of. I mean, some really crazy out there stuff. And like when you start thinking about multiple dimensions and I mean, just to give you an example, it's like I'm sitting in my office in my basement right now. Well, if there's all these other dimensions, these people are literally or people, beings, whatever you want to call them, could be in this same area. But there's no way for me to interact with them. They may have an ability to interact with me here, but it's just we're not able to perceive that. It's just like if a stick 
guy is drawn on a piece of paper. He is living in two dimensions. He doesn't have an up or down. He just moves along the page, whereas we have our three dimensions. And we actually have a fourth dimension, which a lot of people don't realize, and that's time. So maybe these beings in other dimensions are able to go back and forth in time. That's nothing that we're able to do or even really conceptualize. So that's, I mean, like if you start reading into this stuff, like it, it sounds like science fiction, but a lot of it is the reality is stranger than the fiction sometimes. So highly recommend it if you want to get into it. And the blog, we haven't really, uh, I haven't sort of gone in too much into any of this crazy stuff. I focus more on um, the Apollo mission since back in the summer. You know, we had the 50th anniversary of that, but I've been, I've been sort of pushing that way um, when I'm able to. And I had a post a couple couple of weeks ago that was pretty good on, on perspective and how the cosmos can really give you perspective when you're struggling with something or, you know, thinking that, oh, my God, all my problems are so terrible. Well, they might be, but in the grand scheme of things, they're probably not as big as you think they are and they and, and they'll pass. Yeah, and I, I read that because that, that was one of the times we were talking about doing this podcast. And so I read that mm-hmm. in depth. And we were going to talk about it um, from back in February. And it was it was really well written. I encourage everybody to go check it out again, thecosmicwindow.com. Um, you know, and, and more recently here on the on the 2nd of May, you posted another uh, blog post here talking about, um, you know, we're going to take our, our first manned mission uh, up into space in, in a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's been since 2011, which felt like a long time ago. I mean, that's it's almost a decade ago when the last space shuttle, uh, space shuttle Atlantis, went up on STS-135. Those have all been retired. They're sitting in museums across the country. And ever since then, we've been sending one or two of our astronauts up in Russian, really like Soviet-era technology. They're... Um, their Soyuz rockets to get our people to and from the International Space Station. So it's kind of weird. I mean, that's, you know, we as Americans like to think we're at the forefront of everything. But the reality is, is for the last nine years, we've kind of been going backwards with our space program. And, and a lot of that is, is it was sort of going backwards to grow. So during that time, uh, Boeing, or I'm sorry, SpaceX and Boeing have been developing their own um, manned they're capsules, more or less like taxis to go from the Earth to the space station. And SpaceX, uh, as it appears, is going to win the race, at least with that, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. I don't know how you or anybody else views Elon Musk. He's I don't know if he's been going off the deep end a little bit recently with some of his <laughs> tweets. But <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he's a pretty bright guy. There's there's no arguing that. But so, yeah, SpaceX, that really wasn't anything uh 15 years ago is now beating one of the perennial defense and commercial aviation companies into space, which is, it's crazy. So yeah, May 27th, the Dragon crew capsule will be taking two of our astronauts. It's really a test flight, but they're still going into space and going to dock with the International Space Station. So that's pretty cool. I mean, there's not much going on right now to look forward to. I mean, we have supposedly hockey coming back at some point in empty arenas. We have the uh, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson golf thing, I guess that might be in June. I really haven't heard a final date on that, but mm-hmm. May 27th, this rocket's going to launch and it's going to be pretty cool to see that, that our people going up on our, our own American made rocket going back into space from Cape Canaveral. I'm pretty excited. 
Any plans to try to head down there to see it? No, not not for <laughs> this. In 2024, we're supposed to be sending people back to the moon, and, and I do plan on going down there with my wife and my son. I can't think of a better way for him to, or a better thing for him to see than that. You know, I'm I'm insanely jealous of all of my my parents and my grandparents that were alive for Apollo 11 landing on the moon. I can't even like imagine what that would have been like. And and that was back in 1969. Think of how much has changed since then. And that sort of seems like the pinnacle of all of our ingenuity. And it was back in 1969 and they had a front row seat for it on black and white television, seeing man walk on the moon. And hopefully in 2024, it all pans out. I mean, it, it seems like it's going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets pushed back a little bit, but you know, the rockets are being built. They're trying to figure out, um, they have a couple companies, SpaceX being one of them developing the lunar lander. But, you know, I just, I think it would be so cool for my kid to see that that rocket going up. I mean, that's going to inspire a whole new generation of scientists and engineers, which, you know, we, we definitely need moving forward. So I can't help but, but think, though, you know, it's kind of a, a been there, done that kind of thing with the moon. Um, so I guess what's why are we doing this again? You know, there's been a couple of discoveries of, of resources on the moon that can kind of help us use it as a base to continue to push out further. So there's tons of water ice on the moon. And one of the ingredients you need for rocket fuel is uh, liquid hydrogen and oxygen. So we're going to be able to take the water on there and convert it into um, the rocket fuel. And I may have messed up the chemistry on that, but more or less there's stuff on the moon <laughs> that we're going to be able to use as rocket fuel um, to, to go to Mars or to push out further. Because the, the biggest hurdle in all of space travel is gravity. And it's good and it's bad. So it's bad because to put one pound of anything into orbit, just to get into orbit, is $10,000. If you want to go to the moon, you have to escape the Earth's gravitational pull. So you, it, it costs even more than that. I don't know what that figure is, but it takes a lot of money to get into space because you're just fighting against gravity. Now, once you get into space and you can do all sort of fancy orbital calculations, you actually are able to use gravity to your advantage. So a lot of the um, probes like the Voyagers and the other ones that have gone into deep, I don't even want to call it deep space because it's still really our backyard, but to Saturn and Jupiter and, and now to Pluto, they use the gravitational pull and effect of other planets to sort of slingshot them around and increase their velocity to get there without having to carry all this extra rocket fuel. Because again, it just costs so much to get it off the ground and into space that they try to keep the weight of everything down. So gravity is a blessing and a curse with that. But, you know, getting back to the moon, we can use that as a resource. The moon has some gravitational pull, but hardly anything. And it's, it's really going to be a springboard to just continue that push out into space. Okay. Now, what about um, what about the Mars piece? Because we we keep hearing that Mars is kind of the next thing, and, and what what little I've seen about SpaceX and Elon Musk, you know, that's really the the big goal that that launched him into the whole SpaceX program. Um, what where are we with with trying to get there? Does that seem like a like a meaningful operation, or is it really just a, a more of a 
pound our chest, hey, we got there kind of thing. I think it's a little bit of both. And I wouldn't even necessarily say a a pound our chest thing is more of he won. If if Musk has it his way, it's more of a worldwide effort to get to Mars, which even going back to the moon, you know, we're partnering with a lot of our allies to develop stuff to get there. But, you know, Mars is a whole different ballgame. It's so much further. Um, you have communication delays, and I'm, I'm actually going to look it up because it, it's it's pretty crazy. So, you know, when they go to the moon, there's a couple second communication delay. Um, you're still able to communicate and have a meaningful conversation. But depending on where Mars is in relation to Earth, it takes like 14 minutes for a message to get to Mars for you to hear it and interpret it and send your message back another 14 minutes to Earth. So you're talking about a half hour of lag with communications. And unfortunately, because the uh, speed of light is the fastest speed you can go, and that's what those radio waves are traveling at, there's nothing you can do about that. So that's a challenge they have to figure out with, I would assume, automating a lot of the systems and having plenty of redundancy built in so that you don't have to depend on Houston or Mission Control or whoever it is at that time to, to help you through this. The other thing, the moon is still pretty well protected by the Earth's magnetosphere. So once you get out into space, all that radiation from the sun is just pelting your spacecraft. But around Earth and going to the moon, it's not so bad because our, the magnetic sphere surrounding us is protecting you from that to a certain degree. But in interstellar space, there's nothing there to protect you. So they have to really figure that out and engineer the craft to be able to protect them. And that's just sort of for normal radiation exposure, let alone if there's a massive solar storm that just spews even more radiation. You know, they're, they're still trying to figure that out, I think. And they've done a lot of studies with keeping astronauts on the International Space Station for either pretty close to a year or over a year. But space changes your body when you're when you're up there like that. And they're they're still learning new stuff about that. So I think everybody wants to get to Mars as quick as we can, but it's still, it seems like it's one of those things that we should have been there already, but it, it may not be a bad thing that we haven't. There's just a lot of unknown and, you know, you get stuck there, you're going to die there. There's, there's no rescue mission. It's just going to take too long. I mean, the, I think the quickest we're going to be able to send anybody there is nine months. And I know Musk was talking about the first couple people going there, they're just going to stay there. So, I, I mean, I want to go. I'd love to go to Mars, but I don't want to stay there. I don't know about you, Derek. Right. It's, yeah. You're essentially, it's, I mean, it's essentially a suicide mission, right? Like, you're going with, with no real hope or plan on coming back, and it's it's good luck. See how long you can survive. And maybe that's a long time, um, but maybe, you know, maybe it's not. But that'd be... That would be a really interesting thing to basically tell family, friends, like, I never see you again, but I will go down in history. I mean, that's a that's a really weird thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine the people that want to do it maybe don't have that close association with their family and friends. But I don't know. I know there's a lot of people that have <laughs> bigger egos that would love to be one of the first. <laughs> but, you know, there's a couple of good programs, actually. There's... Um, obviously the movie the martian if you haven't seen that and then there's a show it's on netflix right now streaming um it's just called mars and i think spacex actually put some money into that it's it's really good it it sort of talks about all these issues and the fact that hey there's no 
there's no like rescue crew coming, like you're on your own, figure it out. Um, so I, I highly recommend both of those, but yeah, Mars, it's, it's pretty cool. And, you know, we got some probes and stuff on the surface and they're digging and trying to figure some things out and maybe, maybe they'll be able to find that there was life there at some point. But as of right now, we're all there is, which is pretty crazy to think about. What are your thoughts on that, Derek? You think we're alone? You know, it's a, it's really interesting. I was actually going to jump into the Navy footage next, but, you know, it, it almost seems crazy the fact that the universe is infinitely large, that in all of the different iterations of of what is out there, that there isn't life somewhere else. Now, what does life look like? Are we talking single cell microorganisms or are we talking, you know, the advanced beings that science fiction has led us to believe is out there? I don't know the answer to that, but I have to imagine there is some sort of life somewhere. It may not be in a nitrogen rich, oxygen rich environment, uh, but, you know, it's one of those things that we thought there's no way we that life could be uh, supported at the very bottoms of the ocean. And then we went down there and found that there's a pretty vast ecosystem down there. So, you know, my thought is there's there is life somewhere. Um, it may be on, you know, in our solar system, it, it likely isn't. But, um, you know, working off of different, you know, different elements than than humans and, and you know, those who live on Earth need. Um, I don't know. What's your what's your thought? I mean, I, I definitely think there's something somewhere. And. There's a couple of missions, I think, in the works that are going to try to dig a little bit deeper. I mean, everybody has always thought maybe there was life on Mars at some point. Well, wouldn't it be pretty cool if there's places in our solar system that have life right now? And even if it is molecular or very small, simple organisms, that's still insane. I mean, Europa is a planet or I'm sorry, a moon of Jupiter, and it's made of ice like water ice. It's got mm -hmm. seven mile thick ice um, crust. And there's still water underneath it. And it's, we know this because it's close to Jupiter. Ju Jupiter is huge. So the tidal forces of Jupiter actually stretch and crack the ice. And some of that water seeps to the surface and actually is like sprayed out. So we know there's water there. There's been talk of coming up with a mission to, I think, initially go there and try to analyze some of that, that water that's come up. But um, at some point, sending some type of drilling probe that can drill through that ice and get into the ocean that's underneath that um, the ice crust. The other place that there may be something is Titan, which is a moon of Saturn, and it has liquid seas of methane. So they are preparing um, they are preparing some missions to go to these places. And you know, just thinking about, like you said, the universe is infinite. Well, all right, we're like we're Earth. We're cool, right? We're, we're, we're bad and tough. Like, we've, we've got this whole Earth thing figured out. <laughs> and our solar system is pretty lame. I mean, yeah, we have some cool planets, but it's nothing special. Our sun is literally, like, the most average star there could be. Well, every single one of those stars you see when you go outside is in our galaxy. And, like, when I say our galaxy, I'm talking about our cosmic backyard of the galaxy, like a very small portion of it. So we have our sun. Well, just to give you an idea, there's 100 billion of those in our Milky Way galaxy. Okay, so that's pretty much incomprehensible. That's just, that's a number that us humans really aren't meant to understand. On top of that, there's hundreds of billions of galaxies spread throughout the universe. 
So I think when you just do the math that there's, there's definitely life elsewhere. And I don't know if it's thriving. I don't know if it is, you know, I don't know if we're very unique or not, but one of the cool things is even if we're one of the only or the only advanced civilization, that's incredible. Just as if there were many advanced civilizations. I mean, it's, it's just really crazy to even think about in either case. I, I, I really hope we're not alone because that's, that really, <laughs> that'll bring on an existential <laughs> crisis, won't it? I mean, like, holy cow. And that's, I warn you, if you get into this stuff, you're going to have a lot of existential crises. <laughs> Trust me. Well, you really, <laughs> when you talk about something that's infinitely large, I mean, it, you can't, you can't truly, like, it's one thing to say it, but to truly comprehend what that means, I don't, I don't think we can. No. Um, and, and that's, that's been the crazy part about it. You know, and I'm not, I don't claim to be any type of expert. I'm not into it nearly as much as you are, but just a little bit that I, I do know is it's just insane. Yeah. And it's, it can be pretty scary. And another thing to just blow your mind, everybody's heard of the big bang and I'm not talking about that TV show that sucked. That's a hot take. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I like comedy too. I tried stand up comedy. I failed miserably, but that's probably a topic for another podcast. But anyway, yeah, big bang theory show sucks. The theory, the regular scientific theory is amazing in my opinion, but think about that. Everything, all the matter that we are made of, the entire universe is made of, came from an infinitely tiny point. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, come on, like, that's just, again, you can't even fathom this stuff. And it's just insane. So the, the piece that I dropped a little bit ago, so the Navy declassified this footage of, you know, this unidentified flying object, right, the UFO. Yep. And so it brought up it brought up some of this discussion. And uh, actually, I saw Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, had tweeted out and essentially something along the lines of, you know, thousands of high resolution photos are uploaded to the Internet every day. You know, if your best evidence of a UFO is a grainy black and white uh, video from a Navy de you know, declassified declassified video. Uh, that's not a whole lot of evidence to back that up. Uh, what are, what yeah. are your thoughts on that? I I saw that too, and I mean, like, I get what he's doing, but like, I'm pretty sure the the camera footage they were using is like not the greatest technology, and it's probably like infrared and and not visible light. So I I understand what he's doing, and I I pretty much agree with him too. Like, that's not hey, that's not evidence that there's life everywhere, but. I don't know about you, but um, when the Navy is using fighter jets to track stuff that when you see what it's doing is physically impossible, that kind of makes me a little bit nervous. I mean, <laughs> they, they're supposed to be the ones that can handle this stuff and protect us, but I mean, they don't even know what it is. And I have a couple of ideas about that. I mean, I have a feeling um, if it's something we've developed that this is just maybe like a uh, like a decoy thing, like they they released it and it's like, oh, yeah, we don't know what it is. But in reality, it might be some insanely advanced drone because I don't think any human can live through the G forces that those things are pulling or we really don't know what it is. And that's pretty terrifying. And, you know, they're supposed to control the airspace above us. And there's been a couple of uh, other articles I've shared on my Facebook from this. He's a like an aviation warfare uh, writer, and there's been I was the last I think in 19 and 18 there were quite a few airline pilots and general aviation pilots seeing some weird stuff. Um, they they 
they couldn't really identify what it was, but some of the speeds and some of the maneuverability that these things had was just insane. And they appeared briefly on air traffic control radar. And at one point they scrambled F-15 fighter jets from Oregon to try to intercept these things. And by the time they got there, they were gone. And that's another thing. I mean, like that's airspace over the United States. So if it's aliens, holy shit, that's scary. If it's another country flying stuff over our airspace, we have no idea what it is. Holy shit, that's scary too. So um, hopefully we're just very, you know, Area 51 is just cranking out some insane stuff out there, but a little bit unnerving when you think about it. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's one of the things I always kind of jump to when you, you see some of these, you know, uh, things. I, re- I watched, uh, I don't know if it was Discovery or History Channel, but over, you know, Arizona, New Mexico and all that, you know, people would re- report seeing these weird triangles flying around. Um, mm-hmm. And it turned out to be one of the stealth bombers that they were they were testing, you know, right. they were doing it at night and all that. So my immediate thought is like, well, is it is it a, you know, kind of government defense testing and all that? But when you start talking about scrambling F-15s, you know, you feel like somebody in the government would be like, hey, uh, stand down. That's that's not a you know, we're not worried about that, Uh, you know, versus like putting in all, you know, I imagine to to do that. That costs a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, And not Um, to mention, you know, you worry about, you know, the the risks involved. You know, you don't do that just for fun. Uh, So when you hear that, you're just like, oh, maybe that's maybe that's not government testing. Maybe that's something bigger. Yeah. The only the thing that makes me think it might be government testing, though, is so like you just brought up the stealth bomber and how that was the cause of a lot of different, um, you know, UFO sightings. Well, you know, you think about that thing. That thing's pretty badass. Like that's Mm got to be modern day technology. Do you know when its first flight was? Uh, It was it was surprising. I don't remember the year. It was surprisingly long ago. 1989. Yeah. So there's been 30 years without. And we have newer fighter jets, but they were never top secret the way the B-2 um, stealth bomber was. So there's been 30 years where nothing really new and extraordinary has come out of Area 51 or the Lockheed Skunk Works, you know, who's made these planes. So you just got to kind of wonder, what have they been working on that entire time? Because, you know, the defense budget certainly hasn't shrunk. It grows every year. So um, that's why I, I just... I'm very excited to find out what they've been working on that entire time. And I don't know if it's visual stealth or these insane drones, but I don't know. I guess we'll just have to let time pass. And when they want to release that information, we'll find out. But it's cool to think about. A little bit scary. (laughs) No, I agree. And, and, you know, that's one of the things as, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking, too, you know, you can kind of run that as two different things. A you know, maybe you don't tell anybody else you're running this. If it does show up, you know, uh, on radar or whatever, then you you scramble the F-15s, let them go through that training process as a drill, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and then they get up there and your thing's gone, um, you know, see how fast you can get out of there. Uh, so that that it, it very well may. And that's kind of what I always jump to. I don't I don't jump to like, oh, UFO must be an alien. Uh, I jump to like, oh, what's the government working on? You know, yeah, what's, what's the definitely. next thing we're going to see? And that's going to be a history channel thing, you know, 20 <laughs> years from now. It's like, yeah, there were a ton of UFO sightings. <laughs> so, Matt, you bring up you bring up the Big Bang Theory. And, and it's funny because as we were talking about, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson and, and astrophysicists and all that, you know, that show is, is obviously the thing that came to mind. 
Um, and I was going to ask you, and then you, you dropped it, but, uh, you know, how you felt about that show. And because a lot of times, you know, being in the, the medical community, sometimes it's hard to watch medical shows, right? I'm sure yeah. with, with fire, it's tough to watch, you know, fire and, and EMS shows. Um, so Big Bang Theory, you know, it obviously saw a lot of success, but had a lot of criticism, too. Um, from the science side of it, you know, the the space, the that, that, that piece of it, um, did you think they, they generally met the mark or they completely missed it? Or how how'd you feel about that? I honestly have only watched a few episodes, so <laughs> I can't comment on it. I just, I, I couldn't do it. I, it's just, I saw something on Reddit where somebody removed the laugh tracks from the show and it was just them talking to each other and it was just uncomfortable. So <laughs> I, think, I think that kind of speaks for it right there. I've heard them, you know, I've seen clips and they use a lot of like sciencey buzzwords. And I mean, it seems like they, they have some guidance, I guess, to a point, but from a comedic standpoint, I just, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, you know, having been, uh, uh, I, I, I use it as past tense, but it's not, uh, you know, being kind of a, a nerd myself, uh, you know, there's certain things that, that hit a little too close to home for me on that mm-hmm. show. And, you know, people are like, oh, you're like Sheldon. It's like, no, I don't I don't want to be. That's not. Yeah, me, you know? <laughs> I've, but, I've had that quite a bit, too. And it's like, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know which character you like want to be from that show, but. You know, some of that I would say, it, you know, was it was fairly accurate. Um, yeah. You know, some of the the dynamics there. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I always wonder, you know, because I I have I don't know nearly enough to to know if the science of that was accurate. Um, you know, and that's something that a lot of folks uh, have talked about that it's sometimes a little hit and miss. Yeah. I, I don't know if anybody on that uh, watching that show is much into science to begin with, though, if I'm being perfectly blunt, so it probably doesn't matter. I have to watch a lot of terrible TV at the fire station, and that's just that's one on the list. So I'm sorry if I upset anybody that likes the Big Bang Theory, but look into the actual Big Bang Theory. It's probably more enjoyable. Not nearly as funny, maybe, to you, but we just maybe do that. I don't know. There's no laugh track behind the real version. Yeah. You should probably dub in our laugh track on this at some point. <laughs> Just in honor of it. Right? <laughs> so, all right. So you brought up, you know, TV at the Firehouse. Oh. So what yeah. are the what are the best shows that you were introduced at the Firehouse? And then on the flip side, what are the worst? Okay. I the the best one would be Impractical Jokers, bar none. Uh okay. I love that show. My wife and I have actually seen them live a couple times, um, and they were supposed to come through Youngstown in December, and they pushed it to this summer, but I'm sure that'll get canceled. But I love that show. I mean, I think that's pretty good. Um, I think that might be the only one, though. You know, now with Netflix and all the streaming services, it's not nearly as bad as it was maybe in 2010 or 2011, but the worst, I mean, Big Bang Theory... (laughs) Any, if, I got this for you. If it is an abbreviation of something or like acronyms, it's garbage. So NCIS, dumpster <laughs> fire. I do like Law and Order, but okay. that's that's pretty. I mean, that's very procedural, and you know exactly what's going to happen. But I I think NCIS is even worse, and there's a lot of NCIS watching at the fire station. 
it's pretty much you put on the USA channel for some background noise during the day and it's NCIS or just, you know, whatever's on there. So I've been trying to, um, you know, obviously later in the evening, I, I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty at home and, and when I'm there, too, which I think it's it's seen a bit of a resurgence with the COVID-19, which is pretty cool. But um, that's actually been a lot of fun getting back into playing COD with my my brothers and my cousins. It's been a good time. Oh, yeah. Falling back into the old habits. We uh, I pulled out the old Nintendo 64. Been playing some oh. uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina at time. Oh, my God. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. You still have one, man. Holy oh, yeah. cow. Works well. Um, I, I bought Majora's Mask a few years back. I never owned it before. Um, so I haven't I haven't played it yet. Mm-hmm. I, I've played it here and there, but I haven't like you know really gotten into it yet. But um, I'm almost done with the Fire Temple in Ocarina of Time. So wow. I, got, I got my That's giant cool. hammer. And I'm ready to go beat up the dragon. <laughs> nice. That's so awesome. I gotta stay busy, man. I gotta stay busy yep. during the oh, COVID. Absolutely. Yes, no doubt. All right, Mets. Well, we appreciate it. So I guess uh, final parting thoughts for for those of us who have not gotten into the cosmos yet. Um, what is the best way, you know, for somebody who's like, hey, I want to learn more. Um, what's the best way to learn more about the cosmos? Star talk. Uh, podcast or star talk radio it's the neil degrasse tyson podcast very cool like people can send questions in he answers them and explains them he's always got a comedian with them so it's it's kind of fun too and then i mean when the bookstores open up or your library go check out the uh the space section and find some cool books you know getting a telescope you can get a, a telescopes aren't as expensive as a lot of people think they are and even though we live in a pretty light polluted area you could still see some pretty cool stuff uh, with the telescope or even binoculars. So just going on there, I mean, the NASA website, I have some good links on my my blog um, for you to just get some more information too. But you know, that's pretty much it. If anybody has, um, I can't think of the name of the streaming service that is all science-based. Um, oh my gosh, that's terrible. But there's a streaming service subscription that it's all just science shows and they have some really good content on there, but not good enough for me to remember apparently. <laughs> So, I mean, pull up the old interweb machine and, and type in your question on and see what Uncle Google sends you back. But, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff to learn about it. There's no doubt about that. All right. Well, hey, we appreciate it. Um, so a couple of your plugs here. Uh, Mets Consulting LLC for all your accounting needs. Uh, and then the website, the cosmic dot com. Uh, be sure to go check that out. He's got some new content out here from May 2nd, talking about that uh, that manned mission out of the U.S. for the first time since 2011. Mets, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, Derek. And that'll do it for another episode of the Fraudsy Podcast. We will be coming at you soon with another episode uh, that will be non-football related. So stay tuned. We're digging into some of these special interest stories uh, as we prepare for season two of the Frosty Pod. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later.